Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at Coastline Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. So good to see you. Really good to see you. Welcome to church today. And as uh, Lisa mentioned, yes, we're going to finish up our series today. We have been in this Family Vibe series. And next week, of course, is our anniversary Sunday. It's going to be great, Lisa. We'll tell you more about that. It's going to be packed. It's going to be packed. We're all coming together for two services. So come early, grab a seat, go to the early service. She'll give you some other instructions. Thank you for helping us with that. Be ready to be cozy, but be inspired with the history and the joy of what God's done over 100 years. It's amazing. It's actually amazing. Um, We are in a series called Family Vibes, and this has been a way for us to express, once again, our values as a community, uh, and we've been working through them. And I'm actually going to put our four pillars up on the screen behind me. Can you do that? Can you put those up there? And um, what, uh, they're, they're going to go up there because I want you to say them with me. Are you ready for Sunday school? Here it is, okay? Let's say this together. The four pillars are no God. Come on, come on. This is, this is family participation moment. It's like the game that nobody wants to play after Thanksgiving meal, okay? We're doing it. Here we go. Ready? No God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. And these are so important to us. We don't want them just to be something we put up on a wall somewhere or on a video at the beginning of the service or on our website. We want this in your heart because we know that God has always had a specific purpose for your life and it's ongoing. It's, it's developmental. In fact, Pastor Lucas talked a little bit about making a difference last week and he said, before you can make a difference, you must be made different. And what a great message that was. And I want to now pick up on the practical side of this. What does it mean for us to make a difference? And why? Why would we concern ourselves as a church with you making a difference? Some of you are saying, well, because you want my money and you want my time. No, that's not it. We want something for you. Your church has something for you, not wanting something from you. And here's what I need you to say. We concern ourselves with helping people make a difference because it's God's will for their lives. God's will for your life is that you make a difference in the world. That's his plan. That's his will. And also what I've learned is that it is the most fulfilling way to live your life. People are struggling for purpose. They're looking for meaning in life. And I want you to know that you were made on purpose with a purpose. That's a good place to say amen. Amen. You were made on purpose with a purpose. In fact, the truth is we we don't fully become who God has made us to be until we're helping somebody else win. We're all helping someone else be blessed. To, to we're helping someone else find their way. And over the long haul, it will, you will be the happiest and the most fulfilled if you're on a team serving others, in community, making a difference. And yes, it's hard at times and certainly inconvenient. But here's a question for you. Would you, would you trade easy and convenient for life-changing and deeply meaningful? Would you make that trade? I mean, you can have easy and convenient, just do nothing. But you can have life-changing and deeply meaningful if you'll get involved in someone else's life and helping them find their purpose and make a difference with you. See, being a difference maker, 
brings fulfillment and meaning to you, and it blesses those around you. Are you with me so far? You see, this is why we never apologize for calling you into ministry. We never apologize for inviting you into the mission. We never apologize for saying, come and serve, come and give, come and be a part. And the reason why is because we know in that invitation, we are serving your best interest. Because this is God's design for you. It's God's will for your life. And so the very best version of you is waiting on the other side of your yes. Amen? That's the best version of you. Most fulfilled version of you the most meaningful version of you, and the most beneficial to the kingdom. So you hear us talk about joining team. In fact, Grow Track is an on-ramp to team. It's an on-ramp to the community. And that's why uh, Lisa was mentioning it for after service. But this idea of team, I just want to make sure that we're clear. Team is just the word that we use for anybody who serves, anybody who's alongside to help us make a difference. Whether you're serving in the church or you're serving in the community on behalf of your church, you are on team. And our goal is that you never, never do ministry alone. Why? Because ministry is a team sport. It's a team sport. We do it together. Like Jesus, he had 12 disciples, not one, right? And when he sent them out, did he send them out alone? No, he sent them out together. And this is the point. We're not to do ministry alone. There's a blessing in seeing ministry as something we get to do together. So the title of my message today is Make a Difference Inside and Out. Inside and and out. And so I want to just review. We're going to be looking at chapter four of Colossians today, but I just want to review a couple verses from chapter three just to give us the context of inside and out. So Pastor Lucas would have touched on these verses. I'm going to read them again with you now. This is Colossians 3, verse 16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. This is a picture of ministry inside the church. It's beautiful. It's in a small group context. It's in a relational context. It's connecting brothers and sisters in Christ to one another. And there's values that are shared here. We teach. We teach children. We teach youth. We teach adults. We admonish in small groups. You know what the word admonish means? It means to urge to encourage, to, to motivate. And so we admonish, like our small group leaders, they're always saying, hey, where are you at and what's your next step? How can I help you? And beyond that, you see pictures of worship and song and ministry to one another through the Spirit. And that happens all over the place here. We worship together in small groups. We worship together in church. We have people on the stage. We have people on the cameras. We have people in the media room. We have people at the sound desk. We are a place of worship. And so much that goes on here happens because people are serving inside the church. It's really practical. We've got to park a thousand cars. We've got to welcome people at the doors. We've got to give them coffee. Coffee. There is nothing more spiritual first thing in the morning than a cup of coffee. I have a sign in my house that says, give me Jesus and coffee. It's just something spiritual about it, I think. Anyway, let's read the next verse because now we're going to start to get a broader context. Because, you know, uh, Paul gives us some very specific instruction in verse 16. And then in verse 17, he says, and whatever you do, 
whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And this is he's broadening the context. Hey, whatever it is that you're going to do, it can be a part of your service. It can be a part of the blessing that you are to other people. But I want you to see something. It's to be done in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And here's what I want you to see. We don't serve for praise. We serve as praise. Can I say that one more time for you? Just so that we don't, we don't miss the moment, okay? We don't serve for praise. We serve as praise. We are a blessing. And when we're a blessing, we're worshiping God. We're not doing it to be noticed. We're not doing it for the accolades. We're not doing it for the platform. We're not doing it for the promotion. We're doing it as praise. And friends, no one can take that away from you. Because you can glorify God in whatever you do. As you serve, you serve as praise. As praise. So here I am admonishing you, get involved. Here I am admonishing you, join team. Here I am urging you, serve the house. But now, for today, we want to talk about what's going on outside of the walls of the church. Because God has a mission for us. Amen? God intends for his church to make a difference in the world. This is a world that needs love, that needs care, that needs blessing. And God blesses us so that we can be a blessing. That's a spiritual principle. So what the church does outside the walls matters. So here's a question. We're getting kind of close to Halloween. Let's let it be a haunting question, okay? If our church ceased to exist, would our city even notice? Kind of stings, I know. I mean, question, what... What benefit would be lost, right? If we stopped meeting, what need would go unmet? If we were no longer here, what would the results be? And sometimes that's the kind of question that can keep you up at night. Yes, we know that there's a benefit to our city in a spiritual sense that we share life and we share light and we share Jesus. And let's not make light of that. But our city is looking and saying, what do you do for the city? Our city asks us that question. Our city council asks us that question. They ask us to share what it is that we do. And I'm glad to say that we do many practical things to love our city. But the question that I think, you know, this being a stirring question and a haunting question, I want to adjust it just a bit for our purpose today. And this is, I think, an even better question. How do we become difference makers on Vancouver Island? That's an empowering question. That's a question that gets us moving. That's a question that doesn't just keep us up at night, but gets us up in the morning, right? This is the kind of question I think that we need to be asking. And we're going to look at our biblical text for today, and we're going to try to find an answer to this question, okay? So here we go into our text for the day, Colossians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. I want you to read this with me. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, making the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. That is such a good verse. Let's read it again. Let it soak into your spirit. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer 
everyone. So I want to use this passage as a guide for us today when we start to wrestle with how is it that we make a difference on our island. Making a difference on our island means, number one, are you ready for this? We think before we act. That sounds like a good idea, hey? We think before we act. Look at this, the beginning of the the passage. It says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Think first and then act wisely. Outsider, that's an interesting word. It can, be, it can make us feel inclusive, exclusive. I get that. But I want us just to grapple with the word itself because Jesus himself even used the word. Outsider, in this context, is talking about those outside of the church, those who have not acknowledged Jesus as their savior. And Jesus used this term referring to those who heard his teaching but didn't understand it. Mark chapter four, verse 11. Read it for yourself. He used it in a context of saying there are those that remain on the outside. And Paul says we need to be wise about how we act toward those who are on the outside. So what does it mean to be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders? What does that actually mean? I'm going to give you a few thoughts. And don't stay too quiet on me now. Okay? This is a Pentecostal church. If you... If you encourage me, I'll preach better, I promise. Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's see if we can keep that going. Ready? What does it mean to be wise in the way you act toward outsiders? Number one, you don't judge them. You don't judge them. You don't judge them. Here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5.12. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? He said it very clearly. It's not our job to judge. This is the Apostle Paul, the one who wrote a lot of your Bible. He's saying, I don't have the right to judge. That's not my job. I have a job, but that's not it. My job is not to judge the outsider. So can I just ask a question? Why would we ever think it's our job? Why would we ever think that that's our job? Well, we just don't like the way they're acting. No kidding. They're not Christians. They're acting very unchristian. Yeah. And so this all makes sense, right? But there is a place where judgment lives. And the Bible talks about it continuing on in the same verse. Paul goes on to say, listen, I'm not talking about judging those who are outside the church. What business is it of mine? But then he turns inside and he says, listen, leadership is here to judge those inside the church and God judges those outside. And so if we're going to act wisely toward those who are on the outside, if we're going to be wise in the way we act toward outsiders, here's what wisdom says. Don't try to do God's job and let church leaders do theirs. It's a good place for an amen. (laughs) It's a little bit hard to say amen right there, but I'm telling you, that's wisdom. That's what Paul said. That's the instruction of your Bible. So what does it mean to be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders? Yes, first, don't judge them. Secondly, keep quiet and work hard. Keep quiet and work hard. Paul says this to the Thessalonians in this same concept. He says, you should mind your own business and work with your hands. And then listen, let's keep reading. Just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of who? Of outsiders, of outsiders. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders. How do you act toward outsiders? Mind your own business and work hard. 
Work hard, work hard, just as we've been told. Why? So that your daily life, your activity, you're not nosy, you're not busybody, you're not in everybody's business, you're just working hard. And as you do that, you're going to win the respect of those around you. This is the guide for us. This is maybe the best advice we could ever receive. Just mind your own business. Uh, We say down south, just tend to your knitting. Has anybody ever heard that before? Just tend to your knitting. They're like, no, where's this guy from? That's what, that's what you say to someone who's getting into gossip. Just tend to your knitting. Another, your knit, knitting, you know, crochet, knitting, like just, just pay attention to what you're doing. Just look at yourself. Just, just work your own craft. Leave that alone. Mind your own business. Keep quiet and work hard. Best advice, make yourself useful. Don't be lazy. Work hard to be a blessing. And the result is that you actually win the respect of those on the outside. And this may be a long game, but the Bible says this, a good name is better than riches. Amen? Amen. And so let's be those kind of people. You know what I hope? I hope my neighbors come to my funeral. Not because they agree with my beliefs, but because I've won their respect. That's what I hope. I hope your neighbors come to your funeral. I hope you live a really long time. I'm not wishing any of you to be dead, but just follow me here. I hope your neighbors come to your funeral. Why? Because you've won their respect and you've done it by working hard and keeping to your own business. So how is it that we make a difference on our island? Yes, we think before we act. And number two, we see God's opportunities and when we see them, they become our priorities. We see what God is doing and we say yes to what God is doing. Because the next thing that Paul says after he says, be wise in the way you act toward outsiders, he says, make the most of every opportunity. Why did he need to say this? Because somehow in the mix of all of the development of the local church, it's easy to get to a place where we stop looking for the opportunities that God brings to us. Where all of a sudden we get super busy just loving each other and hanging out and even fighting sometimes. We get busy and we stop looking out. And he says, come on, be wise. Think outside. Look for opportunities and let God use you. Listen, I've discovered that opportunities come to you. They present themselves in three ways. You ready for this? Number one, open doors. Number two, problems to solve. <laughs> and number three, fresh ideas. That's the way opportunity comes to us. And so what do we do? We respond. We respond. Let me give you an example. We, um, we saw a need in our city. And um, it was that people were living kind of on the bubble. You know, they're working hard, but they're not making a lot of money. Low-income jobs, low-income families. They're surviving, but certainly not thriving. Their nutrition is a concern. There's areas where they're not getting the food they need. And so we decided we need to set up some markets where we can provide fresh food for people in need. And God opened a door through the Food Share Network. So food that's coming off the shelves, it's not expired, but it's coming off the shelves, gets brought to a warehouse. We're one of the organizations that collects that food and distributes it. And I want you to know, last year, we gave away more than 52,000 pounds of food through the Food Share Network. That's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. So that's an open door. But then out of the open door comes a problem to solve. Here's the problem. It's still not enough food. The need is too great. 
And so what we need is we need to figure out how to get more food. Well, there isn't any more food. In fact, no one else can sign up for the Food Share Network because there's just not any more food. And so what did God do? He presented a fresh idea through one of our brilliant volunteers. And she said, let's get a memorandum of understanding with a local farmer who's too old to farm his land, but still has a heart uh, to teach and to pass this on. And let's open Coastline Farms and let's develop our own food. So instead of giving people the food that's coming off the shelf, we give them the food that's coming out of the garden. And that's where Coastline Farms began. And we're still bringing food. We're still bringing off produce off of those fields. Even right now, this week, there's a whole lot of it that's coming off the field. And this is what I mean. This is the things where we have to say, God, you give an opportunity and we'll make it a priority. Why? Because God opens doors. God gives us problems to solve. And God will give us fresh ideas through his spirit creatively so that we can make a difference. You know, I I saw this verse in another version. I was kind of doing my research, and I got to this verse. I thought, I want to read this in a couple other versions. And one of the versions that I read said, buy up every opportunity. Isn't that a cool way to think about it? Buy it up. In other words, it's worth the cost to take God up on his opportunities. Amen? Buy up every opportunity. Why? Because there is a benefit and a blessing for the kingdom of God if you'll see the open doors and the problems and, the, and, and allow God to give you fresh ideas. That's good preaching. Third thought. Making a difference on our island means, yes, number one, that we, we think before we act. Number two, that we, we allow God's opportunities to become our priority. And then thirdly, when we speak, we speak with grace. We speak with grace. This verse continues, and it says, let your conversation be always full of grace. Always full. Always full. You know, this phrase, full of grace, creates a double meaning in the Greek language, and it brings us into two contexts that are parallel, and it's like this. When we say full of grace, we're talking about God's grace— Our conversations should be full of God's grace, but it's also referring to human graciousness, like me being a gracious person, me being a loving, kind agent of God. It's the two together. Let your conversation be full of grace and graciousness. And then the verse goes on to say, and seasoned with salt. Come on, everybody. Is there any chefs in the house? I see a chef right here. We got chefs in the house. You know, you get that, 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 uh, that, that uh, coarse salt and you just, come on, you just sprinkle that on, right? It's beautiful. You know, you pull the Jamie Oliver, right? You go like that. Yeah? There's something about the seasoning with salt. Can you just see it? That's you, my friend. That's you. You just spread it around. Just put a little flavor in the world. Spread it out. Send it around. Let let your love and your graciousness be seasoned with salt. You see this word salt? Uh, In classical, when we say salty now, we mean like, oh my, you're kind of rude, right? If you're salty. But back in the day, in classic writing, salt was an image of what, you know, what would be called wit. Wit, which is like charm and humor and, and good nature all together. And that's what we're being called to do. Let's be the ones who bring charm 
and good nature and laughter into the world around us. It's a serious world with a lot of problems. Come on, let's get our salt out and let's make the flavor a little different. Let's go into a dull environment and let's bring a little salt to that environment. Let's be the kind of people who sprinkle around the goodness of God. Did you know that wit is attractive and creative? It's attractive and creative. And, and you know what? I, I said to Lisa, Lisa, you're one of the most witty people I know. And I said, I could, you know, doing my research, I could really benefit from having a story of when you said something that was just so witty. And she said to me, sweetheart, that happens all the time. <laughs> and she's so right. There's something attractive. Honey, you're attractive. There's something attractive about wit and um, uh, William Barclay said this, some are under the impression that Christianity is by nature dull. <laughs> that laughter is a form of heresy. But a little salt in your oatmeal is good, hey? You ever put just a little bit of salt in your oatmeal? Come on, the flavors come up. Put some sugar too, but you know, just a little bit of salt. And that's what we're saying. We're not, we're not, we're not saying pour it on so that you ruin it. Just season it. Just add a little bit of it. Don't be too much, but be a little, right? Be a little different. Be a little more laughter, a little more smile, a little more joy, a little more light, a little more free. That's the kind of Christian that our world needs, amen? So let me encourage you, be a Christian with a good sense of humor, hey? Be one who's ready to laugh, be charming, be witty, be like Jesus. He was full of life and vitality, be the one who laughs a lot and tells great jokes. Even dad jokes are great jokes. I use them all the time. And be that kind of person who really loves people. Because what happens in the midst of that is when you be the kind of person who laughs and, and is ready to, to engage and really loves people, even if they don't like you, you'll win their blessing. You really will. Uh, you can't win everybody's blessing. But on the overall, God has a way of using you. Just use a little salt. Just put a little salt back in life. And here's the result. Paul says that you may know how to answer everyone. You know, I can tell you, honestly, as I think about it, it's so hard to know how to answer people today. It's really difficult. Some of you are feeling it. You feel confused sometimes. You feel these rising ideologies and words being reformed and redefined. And, and it's easy to feel unsure. It's easy to feel angry. It's easy to feel ostracized. But listen, this word has a promise in it. The promise is this, is that if you use grace as a guide for your words, and if you season those words with charm and good humor, you can be certain that you will be able to give the very best answer. It may not be an answer that everybody likes, but you'll know how to answer. So let the Holy Spirit position your heart. How is it that we become difference makers on Vancouver Island? You ready for it? We work hard. We mind our own business. We choose not to judge. We speak with grace. And when the opportunities come, when the doors open, we share the hope of Jesus with everyone. That's the kind of difference maker my world needs. It's the kind of difference maker our island needs. And so in times like these, when the world seems hostile and unkind, this word 
has never been more important. Can't you see how different this makes you? (laughs) This isn't how the rest of the world is living. Some of you might say, Andy, what does it matter? It's all going to pot. The world has gone crazy. It's over. Can I just tell you, listen, when the world is going crazy, can't you see how important it is that we are the rational, logical, sane people of God? Right? Who don't lose our head and don't lose our cool. So no matter what's going on in your world, keep your salt. Keep your salt and make the most of every opportunity. Let's pray. Oh God in heaven, I'm so grateful for the honor and privilege of standing before such amazing people who have networks and friendships, relationships and work colleagues and neighbors of their own. And Lord God, we thank you for the gift of your calling that follows our redemption. You have saved us to the uttermost through your son Jesus and now you call us, call us to live godly lives Call us to live as agents of your kingdom. Call us to be difference makers in our sphere of influence. And so we pray, precious Holy Spirit, that you would begin to form our character, our thinking, our way of processing life, that we might certainly be wise when it comes to those who are outside of our church, that we, Lord, would be the people who mix grace and charm, wit together in order to love well, and to make you known. We ask, Lord, that you would be the God who gives us divine opportunities. And Lord, we commit together in this bold prayer, saying, if you open a door, we'll make it our priority. So you lead us, Holy Spirit. You lead us, God. And I pray in Jesus' name that an army of difference makers would leave this room today empowered by the Holy Spirit, refreshed and encouraged, inspired by your word to do all that they can to bring glory to your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.